Good morning. Nice to see each of you here. Sound like I got a little bit of feedback. Hopefully it's not long, too bad. Okay. Well, I'm sorry I missed you last week. Um, any of you ever have a kidney stone? Well, that's the symptoms I had, but I didn't have a kidney stone, <laughs> but it was painful like that. But I appreciate very much uh, Reverend Dennis Lee filling in for me at the last minute and Andy over at the 9 o'clock service. And uh, sh sure am glad to be back with you this morning. A couple of reminders, first of all, is that we will have our monthly supper this Wednesday. And this monthly supper is the one is we're going to have uh, Leanna Morris is going to give a little update on all the money we raised last year. You remember for the church and she's going to give you an update on that and some other things that uh, she's been involved in, the church has been involved in, in the last couple of years. So you don't want to miss that. And of course, the food will be good and the fellowship as always. That's this Wednesday, and I think there's more information in your bulletins. Also, don't forget that this new monthly uh, newsletter is here, and this one is just full of stuff, so I hope you remember to pick one up. They're in the usual places. Make sure you have one. Uh, so you can stay informed on what's going on in the life of the church. This month also begins uh, the stewardship campaign that culminates on the last Sunday in November with our Consecration Pledge Sunday, which will have a combined service and meal and the opportunity at the end of service, just like last year and years before, to uh, fill out your pledge cards and to turn them in to be consecrated here at the altar. Um, in, as part of that, every year we do kind of a low-key, I guess you would say, campaign. We just simply have a few people speak about stewardship uh, during these Sundays prior. And today's speaker at the Lemelock Service is Robbie Septon. Robbie, if you'll make your way over here to the lectern, and if you sound, we'll turn the lectern on for him, and he will share with you a stewardship moment, and then we'll begin our worship together. Good morning. In leading up to the Consecration Sunday, the Finance Committee uh, has asked me to speak for a moment about stewardship and what memorial means to me. Um, upon entering into my membership in the United Methodist Church, I was asked to commit my prayers, my presence, my gifts, and my service. And I'm going to speak about those things for just a minute this morning. I've found in giving these things that oftentimes I'm blessed and receive just as much. Prayer plays a vital role in our community of faith, and I've shared in both joys and struggles with you all of my church family. I've felt the comfort of your prayers and spiritually grown as I've prayed with others and seen how God has worked through their lives. Our presence is equally important to our church. As I attend Sunday morning worship, Bible studies, and Sunday school, I feel the Lord's presence working in my life. The presence of each of you is very important to the growth of our church and the fellowship we need as Christians. Members of all ages give me a comfort like no one else can. In my times of need or in my times of joy, it may be as simple as a hug in the hallway or a hello on a Sunday morning, but I just want to tell each of you thank you for being here each week. 
None of these things and none of these times of fellowship or programs that I've discussed will be possible without our commitment to giving. As we prepare for Consecration Sunday, please prayerfully consider how your financial commitment will impact the growth of our church. In addition to our financial commitment, we also have a commitment to serve. And from Sunday school teachers to worship leaders to those who do all the work behind the scenes, each play an important and vital role to our church. There are many great things set in our future here at Memorial, but they are not possible without our commitments to the church. I'm very thankful to call you all my church family and to call Memorial my church home. And again, I just ask that as we near Consecration Sunday, please prayerfully consider how you can use your gifts and your talents to support our church. Thank you. Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Give us, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated and if you would pull out the insert that is in your bulletin for all saints and if I could get our acolytes to come up and be in place uh, to be ready to light the candles and our bell ringers in place. Uh, before I start let me uh, say that many 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 years ago uh, the followers of Christ would dress up in uh, scary outfits and would go to the graveyards and other places in the city to scare away uh, the evil spirits. This was done on All Hallows' Eve, which we've come to know as Halloween. That's the night before All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day. And then the Sunday closest to that day, which is this Sunday, has been observed for generations as All Saints' Sunday, in which we remember uh, those in our congregation who passed away since the last All Saints uh, Sunday. And uh, that's what this observance is. So if you uh, follow along and uh, respond in the, in the places on this in, in the insert. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Let us pray together. Almighty God, your people of all ages live and praise you without ceasing. In our communion with you, we have communion with generations past and generations yet unborn. Before your throne, we are one with a great multitude which no one could number. And in praising you, we join with those from every nation. Grant to your church on earth that as we celebrate the triumph of your saints in glory, we may profit by their example and enter with them into the inexpressible joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. We remember these saints who have passed from our congregation since last All Saints Day. As each name is read, a candle is lit, a bell is tolled in their memory, and I asked you to prayerfully think about what their lives meant to you in this church and this community. 
Jan Westmoreland. Martin Wallace. William Jordan. Herbert Taylor. Helen Reeves. Harold Hicks. Ruby House. Bob Dunlap. Toby Wright. Broadus Dobson. O cosmic Christ, all things were created. O cosmic Christ, in these times, help us find that which we all seek. And with you, the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those of you who have participated. And now if we have, we have any children in the congregation today? Who is doing children's sermon? Katie? I don't know. You see anybody? Anybody? Okay. I think we'll move on then to, uh, to the anthem. Oh. 
Let us bow our heads. O God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O Lord, we come this day and sing our songs of praise. We assemble as faithful people to recount your faithfulness. We lift up your name. We we make music to honor your greatness. And yet we must confess our sins when we are together. We are a generation of workaholics and overachievers, and we believe that what we do brings about our justification. And we grumble when our hard work goes unrewarded. We trust our own goodness and rely upon our possessions to save us. Yet you have called us to be poor. We're proud of our accomplishments, but you've called us to be humble. We repay an eye for an eye, but you've called us to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. Turn us from our sinful ways and forgive us and fill us with a sense of rejoicing in your willingness to provide what we need, even though we may not always receive what we want. Help us to remember that you have upheld your people by the strength of the Holy Spirit. That your saints of old and the saints of today breathe the fresh wind of heaven for confidence and steadfastness. Fill us with your power that we may be fit witnesses of your glory throughout the earth. Help us to recall with thanksgiving the stories of your faithful saints and how they endure trials and suffering 
to remain steadfast and living out of their faith. So this day we lift up before you, O God, those saints who've gone before us, their families who remain here with us. We lift up before you those saints who are amongst us now, who we know and who, who are working out their faith with fear and trembling. We, we pray, O oh Lord, for all within our congregation, our families and our friends who may be afflicted by body, mind, or spirit. In your love for them, grant relief from pain. Quiet them from anxiety. Give them hope in the midst of despair. Give them and us courage to bring everything to you, O Lord, and to rely upon your good and perfect will. O Lord, Most High, we pray that you would count us among your saints and that you would bring us someday into your eternal kingdom. Hear our prayers, O Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward.
You may be seated. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, is the story of Lazarus' death and resurrection. And I want to pick it up at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, but Lord, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet still wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around him. And Jesus said, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so thankful for these, this powerful witness in these words. We're thankful to understand that you sympathize with our grief over our loved ones. Help us, O oh Lord, as we begin this season of holidays and remembrances, that, to remember that you're with us all the way, every step of the way, that your Holy Spirit upholds us and guides us. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, I entitled this sermon, the madness, Let the Madness Begin, for a reason, because uh, somebody put on Facebook yesterday that Santa Claus was walking around the mall already. So I think that for so some people, as you approach this time of uh, Thanksgiving and Advent and Christmas and, and New Year's, the, the, this time that's supposed to be a time of celebration and 
time for friends and family and times of joy. Uh, for some, it's a, really a time of incredible sadness. Perhaps there is inside of you this year an ache that intensifies each time you think of turkeys or mistletoe or, or presents under the tree. Perhaps your wish is not so much to have a happy holiday, it's just to survive the holiday. Years ago, uh, we buried my grandmother Pons on Christmas Eve, my mother's mother, and even to this day, it causes my mother great sadness at this time of year. But I have good news for her and good news for you. Because the lesson from John's gospel this morning provides us some resources, if we'll just see them and grasp them, on how to deal with grief at the holidays or any time of the day. Look at the situation. Jesus heard that his friend had died, and when he gets there, there's already a crowd of people, the scripture says there. And this is where we can find our first help to survive the holidays. You see, the gathering of friends and families is really not something to be dreaded or to, avoid, to be avoided. It's really a marvelous resource for coping with grief, uh, whether it's the first century or the 21st century. You see, here's the thing. Pain shared is pain divided. Remember that. Pain shared is pain divided. And, it's, and this is true of grief and for any kind of pain. It's important, though, when we're dealing with grief during the holidays, that despite the temptation to shut ourselves off, despite the temptation to go somewhere in a corner and curl up, we, do, we must not do that. We must be with people, people who are important to us. These people can share our pain. They can help us through these times of grief. And that's our first understanding, I believe, seen in this story. Now, Jesus, when he gets there, uh, we see Martha immediately speaking to him. Uh, I often wondered if Martha cried. If You remember Martha and Mary were very different. You know this from other stories in the Scripture. The Scripture doesn't say whether Martha cried. Uh, perhaps tears were not her style. Remember, Martha was a very active woman, and she might have been working out her grief by just being active rather than crying. We don't know. But we do know that Mary was crying. Uh, she might have been crying the entire four days. Mary and Martha are as different in their grief as they were in other areas of their life. And this seems to me like the second valuable lesson we can see in this scripture to help us as we cope through the holidays and with grief. You see, we are individuals. And as individuals, we will react uh, with grief, about grief or anything in our own individual way. Whether it's at the holidays or any other time, there's no need to assume that everyone is going to handle grief the same way. There's no reason to assume that there's a prescribed way to handle grief or to handle the holidays. You know, there's a lot of myths connected with how Christian people should deal with grief. Uh, some say we should never cry because uh, that indicates a lack of faith. Others say we should always cry because that indicates how strong our love is. Forget all that. There is no one right way to do this. If Mary cried, it was because that's who Mary was. 
If Martha did not cry, that's because that's who Martha was. You do not have to do your grief or your holidays a certain prescribed way. Do it the way you feel like doing it. If you've been worried about breaking into tears during the holidays for no apparent reason, stop worrying right now. If anyone does not understand, too bad for them. Be yourself. Do what you need to do. I believe this is clear to us by simply the fact that these two individuals reacted differently to Lazarus' death. And they're both shown to us as examples of how to deal with grief. Neither one was condemned or held up as a particular way. You are an individual. You will de decide and define the way your emotions are used and not used, and that's okay. It's okay. Now, Jesus had seen the deep loss, and he saw how each one expressed it in their own way, and he's seen the mourning of all those around, and now he wants to see the tomb, and so he goes to the tomb, and there is this rough-hewn cave with, with this large rock in front of it, very similar to what Jesus himself will be placed in. In just a few weeks, this is just a few weeks in the scriptures before Jesus goes to the cross. And he's, he stands there, and in the midst of all this, this Jesus of Nazareth, this strong and ruddy man, he begins to weep. He has felt the grief and the pain of his friends and quite literally he has been moved to tears. And you know what? That's okay too. I personally would never worship a Lord who couldn't cry in some situations. To me, I find great solidarity with our Lord in his tears. Because in his tears it shows that Jesus cares about the whole gamut of what's going on there. He cares about what happens to each one of us. He cares what we go through. And by joining in the grief in the little town of Bethany that day, he validated the whole process, in my opinion, for all time. Because Jesus shed tears. That says, in effect, that it's all right for us to shed tears too. What a comfort that can be found here when we realize that it's really important that we don't bottle up our emotions. Oftentimes we bottle up our emotions for no other reason than we worry about what other people think or what they expect of us. Jesus reacted in his individual way. Jesus acted with love and care and emotion that were as much a part of his nature as they are ours. You see, as the writer of Hebrews puts it, we don't have a high priest. We don't have a, a minister or a, or a Lord who is unable to sympathize with us. Even if those around you fail you, the Lord will not. Jesus wept in solidarity with you. And so it's okay over these holidays if you weep, if you find times and periods of sadness engulfs you, it's okay. 
Of course, the story does not end just in tears. Uh, Lazarus was called forth from the tomb. And that's a visible demonstration of a far greater truth that Jesus repeats over and over for us that's found in the scriptures. And it says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the question. This is what Jesus represents to us in this story and in our faith walk today. Jesus represents for us the hope, the hope in the face of hopelessness. Jesus experiences and demonstrates and proves to us that tears don't have to be the last word, that there can be joy that comes in the morning. Years ago, an evangelist in our country in the last century once wrote these words. He says, one day you'll read in the newspaper that D.L. Moody of East Northfield, Massachusetts is dead. He said, don't believe a word of it. I will just have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay jar into a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And at that moment, I will be more alive than I have ever been before. What wonderful words. Yes, the separation that we feel is real. There is no doubt we all grieve a loved one. There's a loved one somewhere in your life that you still grieve. But you know what? It's all right. And it's all right to feel this way. Jesus affirmed that as he stood crying at Lazarus' tomb, knowing he was going to call him forth. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in Thessalonians that it's okay to grieve. But don't do it as those who have no hope, because you do have hope. You have the hope that the world needs. There are so many hopeless people in the world today. You don't have to pick up the newspaper or turn on the TV or look at a news site on the internet long to where you will run across a very sad situation. A situation that has usually occurred because someone has lost hope. A few years ago, I remember reading an article of a young father who had shot himself to death during the holidays. In his pocket was a child's crayon drawing. And on it was written, leave this in my coat pocket. I want to have it buried with me. The drawing was made by his daughter who had perished in a fire just five months before. The grief had overcome him. The hopelessness had overcome him. He was so grief-stricken he took his own life. He did not know and had never heard of that man who stood before a rock-hewn tomb back in Bethany 
so many years before. He did not know of this Lord who wept alongside him. He did not know of the hope of heaven. All he knew was this grief, and it consumed him. My friends, it's very important when you're gathered at holidays especially with friends and family that you recognize that there might be someone there, it may even be you, who has a lot of grief, who is sad, who needs an encouraging word, who needs a a hug of hope, an arm around them. We have the hope that people need. We have the hope we need ourselves. And it's important for us to think of the ways that the Scripture and the Lord teaches us and how we can deal and understand our grief. First and foremost, we can deal with it better if we're around people, friends and family, and we share with them the things in our heart. Pain divided is pain shared. And not there's not one of you here who does not have a friend or a person in your family who if you told them, I need you to, to help me get through this, that they'll be right there for you. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Don't close yourself off. The second thing is remember that you're an individual with individual uh, dreams and hopes and aspirations and individual ways and characteristics. And within that individuality, God has given you what you need to cope. God has for you the hope that you desperately need. And finally, just don't forget our Lord. Just don't forget how he wept and how he still weeps. How he stands with us in solidarity with us. How he cares for us and wraps his arms around us. How he sends us uh, joy and peace during those times of sadness. My friends, let us endeavor to get through this madness called the holidays with an understanding a real understanding and a real recognition of that it's not easy. It's not. But that we can get through it with the help of our Lord and our friends and families. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we're grateful. We're grateful for the knowledge that this life is not all that there is. We're grateful for the lives of those of our loved ones who know already the, the, the glories of heavenly places and being in your presence. We're grateful, O oh Lord, for those who are within our family and friends who are saintly folks and who are rock of Gibraltars who can stand with us and share with us in our pain and our grief. Oh God, we know that the coming holidays are often difficult for many. But we also know that you promised us some simple words. My grace is sufficient for you. Which means that your grace is there to get us through 
whatever it is that we need help with. Remind us of that, O God. Remind us of your presence and your power and your spirit that is with us even to the end of the days of our days. We make our prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. in the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. May they be yours this day and each day. Amen.